Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Lack of trust is the topic of this edition of Radio Curious, the first of a two-part series with Ron Arkin and John Kirchero. Ron Arkin is a family empowerment facilitator with the Mendocino County, California Child Protective Services. John Kirchero is the director and principal of the Willits California Charter School for grades six through 12. They both work as counselors with youth from families where abuse of drugs and alcohol is common, often among both the parents and the children. This abuse frequently results in serious family dysfunction, including lack of trust, which makes school and home life more than difficult for the students. We begin with part one of this series, recorded on March 21st, 2014, in the studios of Radio Curious, with John Kirchero's description of the substance abuse problem in rural northern Mendocino County. When I think about substance abuse with, with uh, young people and, and adults in general, uh, it, it has to be looked at in the broader context of families and extended communities. So tell us about that, the broader context of families. Well, we have a, a very uh, challenged community here in northern Mendocino County, uh, socioeconomically. Uh, and with that comes... Uh, certain problems within families, and a lot of times that involves substance abuse. So let's talk about socioeconomic. Economic pretty much is money. Yes. What is the socio component? The socio is, uh, I think, again, uh, you can't separate the two. I think it's part of uh, some of the family issues that we deal with around substance abuse, uh, violence in the home, uh, and human beings not getting their needs met and what that means in a family system. So how do drugs used by high school students and junior high school students fit into these components that you're telling us about? Well, we, you know, as educators uh, and as support people in our county for youth, we spend an enormous amount of time with our youth. Uh, They come to our schools, they come to our clinics, they come to our counseling rooms, uh, uh, oftentimes more than they... uh, more time is spent in those rooms than there, than there is spent in their own home. Uh, and when they come into our, our work world, or if you want to call it that, uh, they come in with the challenges that they bring from home. So you can't separate them. Well, let's move on to Ron Arkin. Your position is a family empowerment facilitator with Child Protective Services uh, in the Laytonville schools. What does the dysfunction look like? Okay. Um, I think John's point about the importance of understanding substance abuse with kids in the context of their family situation as well as in the uh, context of their cultural situation is just critical. So an example would be daddy is um, addicted to drugs and alcohol. And I promised my son on uh, Saturday I'm taking him fishing. And he's all excited about it. And um, and he can even invite his friends. But when Saturday comes, all of the anticipation that he felt is hit in the solar plexus when he sees me sitting in the living room with a 12-pack. 
and he actually can smell it or sense it or see it as he um, approaches the room and immediately feels either responsible or a rage that is um, borderline uncontrollable. And the only way to avoid that then is to learn how to not trust his daddy. So if he can't trust his daddy, it's going to be hard for him to trust any adults. So if he can't trust his daddy and he can't trust any adults, he is going to operate in schools and operate in his everyday life unable to not just trust, but if you can't trust and there's nothing you can do about it, you learn that you don't trust and you don't talk. Because if if he would have said anything to me about what's up, how come we're not going fishing, I may smack him across the room. So he learns he better not trust. He learns he better not talk. If he can't trust and he can't talk, what does he do with his feelings? Well, he learns to suppress his feelings. So here we have no trust, no talk, no feel. What if he gets up 14, 15 years old and starts beating on people? Then you get no trust, no talk, no feel, no fear. And what if he does it without any feeling? No trust, no talk, no feel, no fear, no remorse. And now he's sitting in John's office because he just got in big trouble in classroom, in the classroom, and unless John is tuned into the no trust, because that means he doesn't trust here, it means he doesn't have any value in talking, it means he doesn't allow, he's learned in order to survive to not allow himself to feel feelings, and what he knows how to do is express his anger in violence, and the job of the substance abuse counselor is to get safe and to get clear and to get beyond all of those things. But it's an example, Barry, of your question of what kind of barriers is this child bringing in? He's bringing in the barriers of his own survival that he's learned in his family, which has been learned in the larger culture. And that's what the schools are faced with. So, John Kurchero, I want to ask you what happens in your office. But before we go there, Ron, you, the example that you gave was a six-pack on the Saturday morning. That's metaphor. It could be any substance. For example... It could be smoking weed. It could be any kind of methamphetamine. It could be opiate drugs. The point is, here's the point, that I, the addict, care more about getting loaded than I do about that kid. That's the bottom line. And that's what he's living with and at some very deep level knows. And so, again, when he's 15, 16, 17 years old getting loaded and sitting in John's office, part of John's ability to work with that kid is an understanding of how difficult it's been for him to grow up and create the survival skills that are necessary to work in that family, but do not work in the larger world. So let's uh, have a clarification here for the audience. When you say, I, the addict, you're not talking about Ron Arkin. No. You're metaphorically That's talking right. about the hypothetical family situation. That's exactly right. John Kurtrow, how, as a substance abuse counselor and a principal, uh, are there specific ways that you deal with the kids who have these behaviors that they learned at home and they become their way of dealing with the world? Okay. Here's where I need to just do a little self-confession. You know, I'm not a traditional administrator. I'm a traditional uh, substance abuse counselor. I really truly believe that working on relationships, whether the issue is substance abuse or whether it's violence or whether it's uh, you know, school academic performance. It's the relationships that form the foundation of any success in a child's life. And so, uh, for example, you know, if I have a student coming into my office, whether it's as a drug counselor in the past or whether it's as an administrator right now, uh, my whole goal is to open up a line of communication where uh, that student feels comfortable sitting in a room with me first. That might be all we do. Uh, 
and, and I need to be patient and I need my expectations to match their ability to, to develop trust on their own terms and in their own timetable. And uh, that's often very challenging for those around me uh, because they want to see results. Uh, parents, uh, other administrators, uh, teachers, law enforcement, they want to see results. And for me, those results come in the hard work and uh, the often unbelievably rewarding work of supporting uh, young adults in their lives. And when I do that, uh, it's with the intention of creating more of a, of a reflective uh, commitment on their part. When can we get them to start looking honestly at their life, not us pointing out what's wrong, but how can we turn that conversation into not a defensive reaction to what we're asking, but more of a side-by-side reflection on what they're going through and the challenge that they're facing, and would you like some input and feedback on that? That's my approach. Well, Ron Arkin and John Kirchrow, how about some role-playing? John, you be the counselor. Ron, you be the kid. Barry, I would like to do that, but before, can I just make one comment on what John said? Um, I I think that what John's talking about is a skill set that is very, very difficult to achieve. I have myself observed John doing this, and I would take it from a skill set to an, an almost to the level of an art, because it, and it, what what it is is it's the art of building trust. My first experience with John was a, a group of CDS students. That's community day students. That's those are kids who've been expelled from the school district. We were doing a group together. Every one of the kids in there were substance abusers. And John just described exactly the reason he was successful, which was his ability to build these relationships, the foundation of which is safety and trust. And for and and to be able to do that with a kid who is filled with a lot of reasons to not trust and in a world that is not safe is an amazing thing. And once that's done, the kid then listens to his words. The kid then takes in his wisdom. And um, and at that point, John doesn't have to be selling it because the kid is wanting to steal it. And it's an amazing transformation. Just yesterday, I was with a kid who happened to hear me or hear a person I was working with calling John. So he heard John's name. This is a kid that John worked with, I guess, two years ago, at least two years ago. Out of the corner of the room, we hear, John Kirchrow, that's the best counselor I've ever had, based on that relationship. It was all on that relationship was built. So I really want to stress to all counselors out there in radio land what an important skill it is to be able to genuinely build trust with kids. In this edition of Radio Curious, we're visiting with John Kirchrow, the director and principal of the Willits Charter School for grades 6 through 12, and Ron Arkin, a family empowerment facilitator with the Mendocino County Child Protective Services and the Laytonville School District. You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. John and Ron, can you do a role play? John, counselor, Ron, the... uh, Student, what's your name, uh, student? Uh, my name is Isbo Dude. Isbo Dude. Isbo Dude. This is uh, John, the counselor. Yeah, I don't like counselors. Hi, Ron. Uh, you know, I know you just referred into my office, and uh, I'm wondering if you can tell me why I'm why I'm meeting with you. I don't know anything about this. I'll tell you one thing: I don't need to be here. Well, uh, I understand that, and uh, you know we're. And we're kind of dealing with a situation where 
where we need to help you get back in class as soon as we can. And uh, to do that, I'd like to help you uh, figure out what's gone on uh, to get you here. Okay, so that effing math teacher just told me, shame on you, kid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All I did was made a remark about the tediousness of his teaching style. Mm -hmm. And he went into a big old thing. And when he said, shame on you, kid, that's when I went off on him. Okay. Uh, I'm curious, you know, is, is, is this a school you want to go to? How, how, how do you feel about uh, school when you get up in the morning? Do you like coming here? You want to know the truth? Yeah. I get stoned every morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. A lot of cute girls. Sometimes I watch you. Mm-hmm. How long have you been getting high? Probably started about when I was 11 or about 11. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get high? Uh, you know, really what we're talking about is, is why you're here. Uh, but maybe down the road we can talk more about, you know, some of my life experiences. You know, right now I think it's really important uh, that we figure out, you know, how we can make this work here. Uh, your attendance is, is awesome. You're here every day. Uh, but yet, you're in my office quite often as well. So something here is working. And uh, I understand you have problems with your math teacher. You know, part of what we can do, and it may not happen today, it might not happen, you know, this week. But, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to sit down with you and that teacher. You know, maybe that teacher doesn't understand uh, how uh, he's communicating with you and what your triggers are. Yeah, but you just have his back. What do you mean? You know, honestly, that's not my job, Ron. Really? Uh, my job is to be here for the students. And to do that, I need to work with the adults in the system. But, you know, ultimately, you know, we're here, all of us. We wouldn't show up every day if you weren't here. That's our primary reason, every single day. Well, you know what I'd say then, Mr. Kirchero? Because I don't think I'm the only one he disrespects. I'd like to challenge you and say, okay, let's do it. Okay. I want to see it. Let's do it. So tell us your approach, John. Well, first of all, it's, it's, it's difficult on the fly to do a, a role model or a role play. And uh, role plays are often uh, contrived. You know, contrived. And uh, it's, it, again, it's, it's, it's a process uh, that happens in the moment. And, uh, you know, for me to, to address a student coming into my office for violence or drug issues or disrespect of teachers, it's very common. Uh, but every student is very individual. I have relationships with their families. I have relationships with the teacher they're talking about. And I have some re relationship with that student walking in the door. Uh, one of the things that I really liked to do when Ron and I were doing groups together uh, and when we were working on our last project together, which was uh, a Bronco grant up in uh, North County, uh, a lot of it had to do with groups and individual counseling. And uh, it was a, very important to me to meet with every individual first because again back to the, the the importance of relationships we have individual relationships we have we have relationships with a larger group and we have relationships with a broader community and for me for a group to be effective which is oftentimes a very effective way of working with young people combination of one-on-one -on -one and group experience uh, we have to establish that personal connection first that way, when I'm sitting with Ron or with someone else or by myself in a group full of teenagers, you know, there's, there's an unspoken thread that connects each of us individually. And it, it's not just this group 
of them sitting with me. It's a, it's a group comprised of, you know, 10 to 12 to 15 individual relationships. And for me, uh, a big part of my role as a counselor or administrator is listening, is, is truly giving them space to be heard, uh, which is oftentimes uh, not something that, that young people experience. Ron Arkin, in our role play, what was it like from the student's standpoint that you just portrayed? Yeah, I think it was a perfect example. And I think John actually um, demonstrated some of the skills and principles that I would just like to point out. First, if you noticed his tone of voice, his tone of voice was, was comfortable and safe. There was genuinely no fear in his voice, and there was no sense that um, he was going to moralize or lecture um, he made me feel like he actually did want to know what was going on with me. And the whole issue of trust, it gets built to being able to demonstrate it. So when he put out the offer of sitting down with the teacher, that takes it to another level. That just that says to this kid who doesn't trust anybody that he's ready to prove it. He's ready to show it. He's In my language, he's ready to bring it. So yeah, let's see what's going on here. Maybe this guy is somebody. So what happens to this kid... All my survival skills are don't trust, but deep down inside, I'm a little boy who is desperately searching for somebody to trust. And for a second, maybe this guy's safe. And then if you start translating that into something like into the weight room, he's amazing in the weight room with the kids. So all of a sudden, this individual relationship starts blossoming into not just about drugs and alcohol and those things, but about real life. And he becomes the person that's safe for me to actually ask a question And for one second, allow myself to trust. Remember, every time I trust, I open my heart. At the same time, I show my back as a place that it can get stabbed. Every time my heart opens with with trust, I'm vulnerable to a betrayal. And I've had enough of them in my life to absolutely be convinced that the next time I open my heart, the next knife in the back is going to occur. So to be able to sit in this principal's office and not have that feeling and then have the feeling that the next step, and there is a next step, is going to be sitting down and addressing the issue, starts building the layers of trust that are necessary for me to be able to actually listen to the man's words and think about them. And that's the it that you and were referring about. And that's the key. That's the art. The art is to know how far to go, how to say enough, not too much, how to be able to be quiet enough to let the kid struggle with the issue of should I trust, should I not trust, and to genuinely 1,000% be authentic. He's never fake. What you see is what you get. It's present, it's here, and um, and the kid learns it quick. And you can guarantee that when that teacher comes in, he is not going to have the teacher's back. He's going to be there looking for what is the truth of this situation. And if the teacher inappropriately said to this kid, shame on you, because the teacher was frustrated, I think this principal is going to communicate that to him and communicate the impact and the effect that it had on the student. John Kirchrow and Ron Arkin, I want to talk about the focus of relationship building and its importance in counseling. Uh, before we move, wrap up this uh, edition of Radio Curious, part one uh, with the two of you, and move on to the next one. What is the focus in terms of relationship building? Why is it different? I don't know if I'd call it different. I'd call it fundamental. Uh, you know, whether we're working with, uh, again, anger management issues or, uh, you know, opposition defiance issues or substance abuse issues. Uh, for me, I have a hard time separating uh, these things in a counseling way. 
Uh, and that's why I guess I always go back to the importance of relationship building, uh, because within those relationships, the conversations that naturally evolve and bloom from those trusting relationships are what the students need. And uh, many times I, th I think there's an emphasis on the drug of choice, uh, the uh, frequency of use, uh, the effects of that drug on the body and the brain, which are all very important. But what students want to hear is what else is out there. And I think the way they hear that is by forming a, a positive uh, adult relationship that can model uh, what it means to be a, a fuller human being. Uh, and and that, that comes out in, in, in so many different ways, it's hard to put your finger on it. Uh, it it's, it's about helping that student see what is out there. And that happens in conversations, uh, dozens and hundreds of conversations. Ron, your comment? Uh, my comment is I uh, completely agree, agree with John. I think the, the real focus is safety. Uh, trust is creation. Emotional cre safety. Emotional safety. And it's, it's, it, uh, trust is created out of safety. And you start from the premise that the kids that we're dealing with have huge difficulty for very real and important reasons uh, to not trust. If you are approaching any situation with a not trusting attitude, it is an unsafe situation, which means there's you're vulnerable to all kinds of attacks, verbal attacks, physical attacks, all kinds, kinds of, of, of threats. And so the ability to be safe built around your own relationship starts from the premise that I am, in fact, a safe relationship. So John has to do a lot of introspection and work on himself to stay safe because if he's not and he's faking it the kid's going to see it in a heartbeat so he has to start with being having being knowing that he's safe which means that he really is there for the right reasons and believing that what he has to offer has value to this kid but it never gets considered or contemplated or reflected by the kid unless it's unless the kid is safe enough to hear the words process them digest them mull them over come back to the counselor and check it out and sort it out as a process of learning. But it all starts with this foundation of safety and trust, which takes different amounts of time and different strategies for different kids at different ages, different genders. It's the strategies, the time, and the difference among the kids that I'd like to talk with the two of you about in part two of our conversation. Before we close, I'd like to ask each of you, John Kirchrow and Ron Arkin, about a eureka or an aha moment in your life that changed your perspective on the world. John Kirchrow. Uh, I'd say the, the eureka moment in my life uh, comes in two parts, and, and that's the birth of my two children. Uh, both were born at home, and uh, I attended both these births. And it was a, a, a very, very specific feeling uh, when I realized uh, after all I'd been through as a, as a young adult that uh, there is a way to deal with uh, the, the problems and the challenges and the things that I see that need to be addressed in the world and it's working with young people it's working with the next generation it's realizing that there's a larger context to our effect on the world and it, and it starts with the children uh, I may not see the changes I want to see but I can work with the next generation to help them get closer. And what would you like to do with the remainder of your One Precious Life? Uh, you know, Ron's given me a lot of accolades and, and, and pats on the back in this interview, and I'll tell you right now, 
uh, when I met Ron, I was very young in the work, and uh, Ron has, is and continues to be uh, probably one of the most inspirational people I know when it comes to counseling. He taught me by his modeling uh, how to open my heart in that room and realizing that you know the, the, the contrived boundaries that are often taught in counseling programs and therapy programs and in very clinical settings are not necessarily uh, the best way to connect with people. Uh, Ron taught me that, that you, know, you open your heart and you be genuine and authentic and you, you be brave enough to be your real self with these people. And in return, they feel safe enough to bring themselves to the, to the conversation. And finally, John Kirchrow, is there uh, a book that you could recommend to our listeners? I'm actually rereading a book right now, uh, and it's called The Warrior's Journey Home, uh, Healing Men, Healing the Planet. And it's by a good friend of mine, Jed Diamond, uh, Dr. Jed Diamond, uh, who's a local author and uh, is, I'd say, a pioneer in, in men's work and, uh, and an unbelievable community uh, member up in Willits in the North County. And to our listeners, I would just like to briefly comment that there are several interviews with Jed Diamond here in the Radio Curious uh, archives. Ron Arkin, a eureka moment in your life? You know, the one that comes to mind, Barry, is rather embarrassing, but I'm going to share it because it really was a eureka moment. I was in a, uh, I was doing a training, a large training with a large number of people so many years ago. And I was uh, at a, during a break in a stall in a bathroom when a bunch of the people, participants of the training came in and they were talking about the arrogance of the facilitator, which was me. Um, and it was an amazingly embarrassing, humiliating experience. I hid my way until they left, and I snuck my way out, and I spoke to my colleagues who were training with me and said to them, I just heard these people saying that I have been arrogant. Is that correct? And they all meekly said yes. And the eureka moment for me was that I didn't know it that I was standing in front of 125 people personifying arrogance because I was insecure and I didn't know it. That was, my, that was a very important insight for me. And knowing that, what would you like to do with the remainder of your one precious life? Find humility and, and fulfill God's purpose. Well, I guess God's purpose is another question for another time. And, uh, maybe, and, and I'm going to elect you to help me to figure that one out, Mr. Barry Vogel. And uh, maybe we could conclude part one of our visit with the two of you with a recommendation for a book. You know, it's especially a book for people our age, my age, uh, not John's age, but yours and mine, Barry. And it's that called is? The Soul's Code by James Hillman. I'm currently reading it. And the age to which you refer? Well, um, I think he's talking about sort of people over 60 who are trying to uh, find a moral compass <laughs> for the last for our last chapters and uh, and capitalize on the wisdom that we've gained over these many years. Ron Arkin and John Critchrow, <laughs> thank you very much for being with us on Radio Curious. Thank you, Barry. It's been fun, Barry. Ron Arkin, a family empowerment facilitator with the Mendocino County, California Child Protective Services, and John Kirchrow, director and principal of the Willits California Charter School for grades 6 through 12, are both substance abuse counselors for youth. 
The book John Kirchhero recommends is The Warrior's Journey Home, Healing Men, Healing the Planet by Jed Diamond. The book Ron Arkin recommends is The Soul's Code, In Search of Character and Calling by John Hillman. This program was recorded in the studios of Radio Curious on March 21st, 2014. There are over 500 archive editions of Radio Curious on our website, www.radiocurious.org, where they're free for you to stream, download, enjoy, and share. We appreciate your curiosity, ideas, comments, and questions. You may reach us by email, curious at radiocurious.org. Christina Onestead is our associate producer, and I'm host and producer, Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening. Thank you.